This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amwar makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Amwar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style? I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that Amoir has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't really like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz, it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give Amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amoir.style forward slash crystal. That is amoir.style 
A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Amoir today. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. I've been thinking a lot about the power of six seconds. This is a concept from Only Love Today by Rachel Macy Stafford, and I want to tell you more about that in a minute. But first, welcome to the Crystal Payne Show. I'm so glad to have you here. So what is this six seconds thing? Rachel talks about how we can do so much in six seconds. We can look into someone's eyes. We can tell them we're sorry. We can ask forgiveness. We can smile. We can tell someone we're thinking of them. We can say thank you and genuinely mean it. I've been challenging myself ever since I listened to this in her book to slow down and pay attention to my kids, to my husband, to that cashier at the grocery store checkout lane. The power of six seconds. Truly, we all have six seconds and we could change someone's life just by slowing down and saying words or looking into their eyes and really meaning it. I'm almost giddy about today's show because we are going to have a conversation with Melissa Radke. She's the author of Eat Cake, Be Brave. I talked about how much I enjoyed this book in a recent episode, and I am so thrilled that Melissa agreed to come on and do an interview today. Y'all, we're going to talk about bravery, forgiveness, and how to rise above negativity, and we're going to go deep. But I think it's going to be a powerful conversation that I believe will really encourage you. We'll get to that interview in a bit, but first, let's talk about what's saving my life. This is the part of the show where I talk about something that is making my life easier, better, or more productive. As I thought about what I wanted to share today, the thing that just kept coming back to me was to talk about how making time for books has been making my life so much better this year. Not only just because it means I've been filling my mind with lots of interesting stories and thought-provoking ideas, but also because it's a way I'm taking time to slow down and breathe. As you probably have noticed if you've been listening, I've been doing a lot more book listening than reading than I usually would do. I found that I can usually fit in 30 to 60 minutes of audiobooks throughout the day if I'm just intentional about making time for it. I'll listen while I'm doing my hair and makeup in the morning, or while I'm cleaning or cooking, while I'm driving if I'm by myself, and sometimes while I'm blogging if I'm doing some sort of task that doesn't require a lot of thought, such as uploading photos. I've mentioned the Libby app in previous episodes, and it's what I use to listen to books. I love it because it's free. I also try to end my day with 15 to 30 minutes of actual reading time with a real book. It's a great way to wind down for the night, though sometimes it means that I stay up too late reading a really good book. I actually set a goal to finish 80 books in 2019, and my goal is that 40 of those books will be books that I already own. Now, some of you have told me that you think I really shouldn't set book goals, and I should just enjoy a book for a book's sake. 
But here's the thing. I have found that I actually find book goals fun and motivating. And so long as I'm really enjoying the books in the process, I'm just, I'm going to go for it. That might not work for you. And if book goals stretch you out, then don't set them and just enjoy the book. For those of you who might be wondering what some of the books are that I'm planning to read in 2019, I actually put together a list of 40 books I already own, and I will link to that list in the show notes. Speaking of books, the book that I have to tell you about this week is Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors by Jamie Amarine. I actually picked up this book on the recommendation of a blog reader. She said, you must read this book, Crystal. And when someone says that to me and they've been reading my blog for a long time, I pay attention because I know it's probably a good recommendation. So I put it on my list of 40 books that I plan to read. And when I posted that list, so many people commented and said, you have to read Jamie's book first. You have to bump it to the top of your list. So again, when a lot of people say that, I listen. I started reading it and wow, my readers were right. The subtitle for the book is How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids. I love that. Jamie's humor and candidness was just a breath of fresh air to me. Her writing is so down to earth, so raw and so real, and she makes you feel less alone. But she also does such a good job of pointing you to Jesus and encouraging you to lean in and love your kids even if it's really hard. If you're looking for a parenting book that isn't about formulas or perfection and doesn't make you feel like you need to overhaul your schedule and life or chore charts, and doesn't make you feel like you need to do all these things and check all these things on this list to be a better mom, definitely check out Sacred Ground Sticky Floors. I'd say that it reads more like a memoir, but it's packed with powerful truths too. And I'm excited because we're going to be having Jamie on the show in an upcoming episode. This episode is sponsored by You Need a Budget, the budgeting software we have personally used for the past two years and absolutely love. One thing I especially appreciate is that You Need a Budget, or YNAB as people call it, is much more than a personal budgeting software. It's backed by a unique method based on four rules for budgeting. The goal of YNAB and the folks who run it is to really help you become a lot more intentional in how you spend your money. They want to help you shift your mindset about money, which I love. As they wisely say, budgeting is not about restriction. It's not about never spending money. It's an opportunity to gain total control of your money. Budgeting is about finding your true priorities and aligning your money with those priorities. Now, YNAB usually allows you to sign up for a free 30-day trial, but they wanted to do something special for my podcast listeners, and so they are offering you all a free 60-day trial so you can really get a feel for it and see how well it works. To sign up for your free 60-day trial to YNAB, go to YNAB.com forward slash crystal. That's YNAB.com forward slash crystal. By the way, in case you need a little extra motivation to check it out, they said that on average, new budgeters with YNAB save $600 by month two and more than $6,000 the first year. So I don't want you to miss this offer. Go to YNAB.com forward slash crystal and get signed up and try it out for 60 days. And I'd love to hear from you. If you end up saving money by using YNAB, please let me know. And a big thank you to YNAB for sponsoring today's podcast. 
Today's interview is with Melissa Radke, author of Eat Cake, Be Brave, a book I finished earlier this year, and I cannot stop talking about it. In fact, I loved it so much that I listened to it for free on the Libby app that you can get books and you can check out books from your library. But then I went and I bought the book because I just loved it that much. And it was one of those books as as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I need to give this to this person and I need to let this person listen to this book. And oh, they have to hear this. I just wanted to buy copies for so many people in my life. So I'm really thrilled that Melissa is coming on the podcast today to share more of her wisdom. So welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. I hope you did buy copies for everybody. I got to keep my lights on. (laughs) That's really been nice if you would have done that. I'm a big fan of buying books because as an author, you know how much it means when people, you know, every book actually makes such a difference. Well, especially in a book like this. And I just appreciate you saying that because, you know, I kept saying to my editor, why would anybody want to hear this story? You know, we we think that our stories don't matter. We think that our stories are embarrassing in parts and, oh, we got to be vulnerable and we've got to talk about hard things. But so every time someone says, I loved it, I bought it for my mother, I bought it for my girlfriend. I think, well, thank you, God, that that, you know, our scars do tell a story. They mm. really do, and they help people. So thank you. You're so welcome. And one of the things I wanted to mention is that I listened to it. And so I loved that you were the narrator for it. And I felt like that I got to know you so well through hearing it in your voice. Yes, I would say, honestly, that I, that was one thing going into our meetings. I'm like, guys, I, I want to do this. And they said, we wouldn't have it any other way, which I thought, maybe they wouldn't want me to because I'm really Southern and I get really dramatic. And sometimes I just laugh right in the middle of a sentence or cry. Um, But they were so great about it. And I have had wonderful feedback on the audio. I'm so glad. Well, you did such a good job. It was like, this is your jam. This is your thing. You've had a ton of experience doing. That's what it felt like. I was like, you should narrate other audiobooks. I know. Hey, I'd love it. I'd love it. But I'm afraid I would be the girl that would be reading it. And then the middle be like, y'all, this doesn't even make any logical sense. This could never happen. (laughs) This little magician can't ride on a broom. What are we doing here? You know, like I'd be the one that would say something bad about Harry Potter. Well, me. I'm the one that whenever I was doing my audiobooks, because I'd voice two of my audiobooks are narrated, I guess is the right term. But um, the the guy in the other room would be like, um, I don't think that's how you pronounce that. And so then they were they would look it up online and then they would have me listen to the correct pronunciation because I'm just terrible. I always botch pronunciation. So yeah, that was that was my thing. And then my stomach kept growling. So that was a problem. <laughs> okay, that's a problem. That's a problem, Crystal. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. All right. So I want to talk about your book. And I really love this concept of bravery and showing up and using your voice. And as I listened to your story, I thought, wow, for you to write a book, that was a really brave thing for you to do, for you to put your story out there. And I just love for you to talk about bravery and what that looks like for you right now. Like, what are you doing right now that's really brave? And do you still struggle with being brave? Well, let me just say that one of the fears that I had in writing this book was that I did not feel like I had a tragic story. I didn't feel like I had a story that even sort of came close to a lot of people. I had a a lovely childhood. I had parents that they didn't get divorced. They're still married today. They loved me well. I was an only child for most of my life until my sister came later. So I was a little bit spoiled. And I thought, you know, gosh, I'm almost embarrassed to, to write this book. But what I was 
was I wasn't a pretty girl. I, I was an overweight child. I was an overweight teenager. And so I dealt with, I just kept lessening it in my mind. But the truth of the matter is, I, I just was so wrapped up in insecurities. And here's the deal. Like abuse might not be everybody's story, but baby, insecurity, that's everybody's mm. story. And everyone can identify with that. And really what it did to me, even as an adult, how it just held me in bondage. And so you put this book out called Stinking Eat Cake, Be Brave. Like, what was I thinking? That means now, from now on, I got to keep being brave. So I actually did an interview yesterday and this is what I said in the interview. And when I said it, I was like, oh my, I heard myself say it and I loved it. So I'm going to repeat it to you. This is what I said. I get that we're scared. I get that there's this big thing right now, faith over fear. Absolutely. That's like people are hanging on their walls. That's wonderful. But it doesn't mean that we just stop being fearful, that we just stop being afraid. We don't let it own us, but it's part of our life. But here's what I'm doing. Am I still scared sometimes? Heck to the yeah. Am I still nervous? Absolutely. Do my palms sweat and my heart race? You bet. But I just keep showing up. I just keep showing up. That is how you live brave. It's stepping outside your comfort zone. It's continuing to plow through a marriage that feels like it's on its last leg, but you keep showing up. It's loving children who are adults now and don't love you back. It's keep showing up. And that's what I'm doing in my life and what I want to encourage people to do. Bravery is not always jumping out of a plane, right? Mm. Bravery is not scaling Everest. Bravery is freaking showing up. That is so good. And speaking of bravery, one of the sections of the book that, I mean, we're just going to dive right in there, um, that I was so touched by in a really profound way, and I think so many women need to hear, is your story of what it looked like to forgive your husband and the woman he had an emotional affair with, who also happened to be your best friend. And when you started that part of the story, I was like, I think I know where this is going. I think I know where this is going. I do not know, not this woman. No, not, let it not be this woman, you know, and to think of this being your best friend. Yeah. And can you talk about how you were able to process that deep hurt and truly find freedom and forgiveness? I can talk about it. What an interesting way to ask that question. Can you talk about it? Because had you asked me probably nine years ago, I couldn't talk about it. Mm. One day I was able to start talking about it, but it was certainly hard. When I say that she was a best friend, I don't mean she was like a girlfriend and we would catch up on girls night outs. She was a soul sister. She was a sister to me in every sense of the word. But here's the deal. That was the hardest chapter to write. And it wasn't just a hard chapter because I needed my husband to bless that chapter. I'm putting his story out there too, right? Mm. It wasn't just hard because of that. It was hard because we live in a world where we should just burn the man's things. We should just kick him to the curb. We should just key his car down with them, up with us. And I was writing a story about a woman who stayed and I felt weak and I felt like a wimp when I wrote it. And I ward with myself. And sometimes I was away at a lake house when I was writing it. And sometimes I would just pick up the phone and I would call David and I would go, I'm struggling because I don't know why I stayed. And he would say, yes, you do, baby. Yes, you do. We both know why. I realized when I got to the end, I'm strong. Mm -hmm. I'm the strong one. I stayed. I did the hard work. I did the counseling. I did the working through it. I did the plowing through. I did the forgiving. And anybody who has had to forgive knows it's hard work. But here's the deal. Marriage is a two-way street. 
I wonder what his chapter would have looked like had he written it. I mean, I wrote about the fact that I was not a piece of cake. I was not easy to live with. I'm not taking on all the responsibility. If you know me, you know I ain't a doormat. But I do know that marriage is a two-way street. And we were drowning in a lot of heartache in our marriage. And we both reached for help in different ways. But I did forgive. I forgave completely and utterly. I read books on forgiveness. I prayed for forgiveness. I got counseling for forgiveness. And today I can say I don't have any contact with her. But can you believe that forgiveness, that you can actually get to a place where you you not only forgive them, you hope they're doing well? Mm. Like, I, I wonder how she is. I wonder if she's happy. I hope she's doing well. I want for her because the truth of the matter was, and I said this in the book, she wasn't out to get me. She was a broken person, too. And there's even a sentence in the book where I said two marriages and bodies all over the place. And that's what it felt like. It was a war zone. It really was. But forgiveness doesn't make me weak, y'all. Forgiveness makes me strong. What was also difficult is grieving the death of that relationship. Have you ever had to grieve the death of a relationship, someone that has been in your life, but then they have to leave your life? That is so hard. And I had to bury that emotionally and in my mind and in my heart. And that was really hard because there were days I missed her. But I, I did the hard work. I fought for that marriage. And we're 25 years in. And it's worth every bit of it, every bit. That's so beautiful. And I feel like, you know, you saying that was one of the bravest things that you did to be able to write that chapter in the book. I mean, I just, as I was listening to it, I just thought, I can't even imagine writing this chapter and putting this out there and the pain that it would cause for you to have to kind of dig all of that up and then share it and put it out there with the world. And yet the words that you said in that, I feel like they're going to bring so much freedom and hope to so many women who feel like they just can't forgive. They, oh, just, I, they just can't. They're coming out of the woodwork, Crystal. They're coming out of the woodwork, book events or whatever, these women. And not only do they come up to me and cry and want to hug my neck, they go to him mm-hmm. They go to him and they grab him up and they hug him. Because you know what else we want? We want men who also fight for our marriage, mm-hmm. men who are strong enough to say, I may have done wrong, but baby, you are worth every bit of, of this we got to plow through. And I just think it's just so interesting that I felt like such a, a weak person writing in this chapter for a book on bravery. And it wasn't until I closed that chapter and I ended it that I, that I looked at myself in the mirror and said, oh, <laughs> this wasn't a chapter on weakness. This was always a chapter on strength. Mm. Yeah. And one of the other things that you talked about how you felt like you didn't have a tragic story. And yet, as I listened to your stories, like you have so many really traumatic things that you have gone through in your life. And for to see your bravery to write this book and to share all of that. And I know one of those things was you have been the recipient of some really painful and cutting words from others over the course of your life. And I talked to so many women who they have had their spirits and their dreams crushed to death by others' careless critiques and destructive words. And I'd love for you to speak to those women, tell them what has helped you to rise above this negativity in your life and not let others' words define you. Well, this is a tricky question because, um, 
you know, I first of all, I published my book with a mainstream publisher. I didn't I, I am a, I'm a believer. I'm a faith believer. But I didn't I didn't go that route because I really wanted to speak to women who maybe are fluent in church and not fluent in church. Mm-hmm. But but the difficult part for me was when I signed with them, I said, but you need to know that I did not get out of this mess. And see, I call them in the book, if you read it there, I refer to them as like tattoos. These words, these critical words that people said to me my whole life were almost like tattoos inked all over my body. Mm-hmm. They come on easily, right? But they don't go off so easy. But I said to them in the meeting, I said, but you have to know, I didn't get out of this myself. I didn't will my way through it. I didn't hunker down. I didn't count calories or macros to get words off of my body. I didn't vote a certain, you know, political party. I didn't women, you know, women's empowerment my way through it. This was something that I had to do hand in hand with God. I had to take off words that culture and society and people had said to me and replace them with words that he had said to me. That was the only truth that I had. Mm. I asked them, I said, is that going to scare you guys? And it was funny because they looked at me and they said, no, it doesn't scare us. It intrigues us. Mm. (laughs) Let me be honest. But I had to do some work. What you can't do is you can't begin to remove the lies that have been spoken over you your whole entire life and then replace them with a kitschy phrase, right? You can't replace them with a meme. You've got to replace them with truth. And that was the only way that I knew how to do it. But it has literally saved my life. I mean, I'm talking, I was so at the bottom, as you know, because you read the book, that I considered suicide simply because I was eat up and marked up with hate and disgust. Everything from you'll never amount to anything to you're fat, you're overweight. Melissa, it's a shame you can sing good because people don't want to look at you. I mean, that kind of stuff my whole life. But one by one, I began to replace a lie with the truth. And it has been to this day the wisest thing that I have ever done for myself. It saved my life. Mm, that's so and powerful. Has, and let me just say this too, and I don't mean to cut you off, but let us remember if we are a product of negative words spoken over us our, our whole life, beware of that. Because have you ever heard the phrase hurt people hurt people? Mm-hmm. And what can happen is that can begin to wear on us and eat at us so much that we become the same thing. And then we are speaking those things over our children. And mm-hmm. one day they will speak it over their children. And I, I wanted to end that. I wanted to end that in my generation, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my life. I wanted to, I wanted to cut off its head. I didn't want a pattern of abusive words and negative critiques to dominate me or my children anymore. So be careful of that. A lot of times in the book, we're talking about things people said to us, but what are we saying to them? That's so good. And to turn it around and to think about the words that come out of our mouth. I mean, because words truly have the power of life and death, as Proverbs says. And it is amazing how one phrase that someone says to us or that we say to someone else can impact them for good or for evil. I would love to change gears here a little bit here and end on a lighter note. We've talked about some really good, powerful stuff, but kind of some deep. And so let's let's go a little bit lighter because I know you also are hilariously funny. And, and I love that part of you too. I love that it's like you can evoke tears and laughter in the same page. And I think that that is the mark of a really good communicator. Ah. 
all your people are like, this woman is so heavy. But I promise I'm a lot of fun. I'm like, take me to a party. I'm the girl with the lampshade on my head in the corner. So, but these were serious questions. So see, I did good, didn't I? You did great. <laughs> um, you get you got through so much in a short amount of time. I'm really proud of you. But let's talk about, okay, so what are you reading right now? I am reading, uh, I'm, I'm scared everybody in the world has probably said this to you. I'm reading Becoming by Michelle Obama. No one, no, no one has said that one yet. So looky there. Oh, oh my goodness. And here's the deal. This is not a book about how you vote. This is not about wh- who was a good president or not. Y'all, it's a book about a woman wanting to become the best for her family and falling head over heels with a man. It is such a beautifully written book. I, mm. I, I, I totally recommend it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. That was a new book. See, you thought everyone would have shared it. No. Um, Okay. And then also, what is saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip or life hack or an app or an idea you're implementing. Anything that is making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. Well, first of all, I'm never one to give a life hack. I don't have life hacks at all. Trust (laughs) me. My life could be so much easier if I could figure it out. Um, So here's what is giving me life. It's not new to anyone, but I just got an air fryer. And what in the world? And see, it comes at a great time because I'm trying to eat more low carb and a little high. I mean, I'm not I'm not like a keto fanatic by any means, but I'm trying. And you can do so much bacon in there. And it's (laughs) wait, well, hold up. You can make bacon. I did not know you can make bacon in your air fryer. I want you to stop talking right now. Let me tell you this, Crystal Pine. You can put bacon in your air fryer and you can set it. You flip it halfway through. And my daughter literally said to me, I'm not kidding you. Why would you go to Cracker Barrel just to get bacon? She thought it was from a restaurant (laughs) because you know how when we fry it, like it's fatty on one part, not done. And it's all black on the other because we did it too much or whatever. It's so perfect. And so I'm trying new ways to give myself the crunch of like a chicken finger without, you know, frying it or anything or using breadcrumbs. And so I'm, I'm doing my little chicken fingers in there. And, and then heck on, we call it crazy night, which is once a week when I'm like, kids, Go find yourself some dinner, whatever it is. I don't care if it's a sucker. We do that once, usually Sunday night. They call it crazy night. But I throw, you know, little uh, pizza rolls in there or whatever for them. And they crunch them up on the outside. Girl, that is saving my life. I love that. Okay. My husband has been saying we have to get an air fryer. And now that I know that you can cook bacon in it, I don't know. That's that's kind of, you know, tipping the scales in the favor of getting an air fryer. I'm like, I could put bacon in every single meal. So, I mean, every dish I've ever made. So it's a win for me. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for your willingness to not only share so bravely, but to live so bravely. I just love how you are living out the message of your book when I know that it would be so much easier to just stay in your house and pull your covers over your head and not do the hard, brave things. And it's just such an inspiration to me and I know to so many others. Well, Crystal, thank you for having me. And let me just tell you, you are young and you are killing it, my friend. And for the women who follow you, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful for social media for reasons just like you, because there are there is gold out there and they have found it by following you. So you keep doing what you're doing too. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Today's Q&A segment question was submitted via email by Jeanette. She asked me, How do you get your teen to keep their room clean? I have to say, I was like, "Hmm, I don't know if I want to answer this question because it's one of those hard ones. I have some thoughts on it and some tips to share, but I feel like every family and every teen is so different and there's no one size fits all plan. 
So just keep that in mind when you hear what I want to share with Jeanette. These are some things that have worked well for us so far. And just remember, we have a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old. So we actually only have one teenager right now. But first off, set a good example. Remember that more is caught than taught. So don't expect your teenager to keep their room clean if your room is not clean. And don't expect perfection. If your room is rarely ever perfectly clean, why would you expect their room to be perfectly clean? Help them set up good systems. One thing that's been really helpful for us is to have organizational bins and for me to go through the rooms with the kids and to help them set up a place for everything. That way they know where it's supposed to go and I know where it's supposed to go. And it's not just me saying, go clean your room. That can be overwhelming for a child, especially when they're younger. And so from the time that they're little, teach them and help them to set up these systems so that when they get older, it's much easier for them to have systems and follow systems. Also, we found it helpful to set up regular times to clean and organize. Since my kids are in school every day and then they have evening activities and homework, I found that the best time to really focus on making sure their rooms are clean and organized is every Saturday. If you wanted to do it more than every Saturday or that works better for your family, great. For us, it just Every Saturday, I go in it and I check our kids' rooms. And if there are things that are out of place or I'm noticing that, you know, the closet is starting to look pretty cluttered again, then I encourage them to clean it up. And I will say, you can't be on the computer or you can't do whatever is something that they would look forward to doing until your closet is clean. And if they need my help, I'm happy to go in there and help them. I found that by having the regular times to clean and doing it once a week, it rarely gets really out of hand. And like I said, take privileges away if they aren't cooperating. I know this might sound a little militant to some, but I feel like keeping your space neat and orderly is a life skill. It's something that is going to help your child for the rest of their life, and it's going to benefit them. And so while they're young and as they're in your home, teach them these skills so that as they go out in the real world, they know how to keep their space clean. As always, if you have a question on any topic you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.